Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Middle call! Baby, hey! What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition. Abram and a middle cough. I'm Guy. That's John. You may be watching this on our YouTube channel, which is great. If you are, thank you for the support. Share it with your friends. Subscribe and hit that like button. And uh, check out our podcast. This is all available in podcast form down in the description below. If you are listening to the podcast, hell yeah. You know what we're approaching, John, is mailbag season. So uh, I've I've looked. Many of you have gotten in the mailbag over the last several months. But mailbag season uh, may be quickly approaching. Well, that'll be a, a part of the weekly show. Uh, so you can get back in that. Leave us a review. Five stars. We haven't promoted in a while, so I'm sure we need to freshen up the mailbag here coming up soon. But you get into the mailbag by leaving us a question as an iTunes review on Apple Podcasts. With a five-star review, we appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you can watch this show. It's in the description of the podcast. The YouTube link is there. The Do it. Great growth over the season. Another year. We started this podcast back in uh, October, September, September, October of 2016. And uh, to everybody who's jumped on board in the last year. Awesome. Thank you. Let's keep this sucker rolling and, um, you know, keep telling people about it. We appreciate that very much. Been able to feed our, uh, our families. That's right. Appreciate it's you. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And John's shopping habit. Thank you for feeding. Appreciate you. The, the hoodie habit on this show. Man, there's a lot to get to today. It really is. That's why you probably just need to maybe take a shot at Tito's before you we dive into it all. I, I would imagine Russell Wilson and Nick Casario maybe shot at Tito's today, landing new coaches. Russell Wilson in charge of the Broncos search. I bet he played a role. You think Russell's aware that they hired a new coach today? Uh, great. Maybe his bodyguards told him. <laughs> hey, Russ, Sean Payton. Back, step back, sir. Step back. But that's a separate conversation. Tito's Handmade Vodka bringing you the show uh, throughout the football season. And uh, now don't forget with the uh, Pro Bowl games. I don't know if you noticed they call it that, the Pro Bowl games, because it's like flag football and some other bullshit. Uh, all the greats will be there playing quarterback uh tito's for that maybe a tito's this is the pebble beach pro-ams this weekend so sidle up to the old tv and uh, watch a little pebble with some tito's the super bowl you're going to somebody's house take some tito's you're hosting people at your house have some tito's i would say this if you're going somewhere to somebody's house take the tito's and take like some of the arizona iced tea uh arnold palmers for the mix or take some ginger beers take some lemons always you show up to a party you bring the you, you, you bring the Tito's, you keep a couple limes in your pocket because invariably this all nine times out of 10, this happens. Somebody, the host says, ah, we're low on limes. If you bring some limes, you're always going to be a hero. I would say that if you bring it, always bring some limes. No one's ever going to say no. Thank you for limes. They're always, 
nine times out of 10, they need you. Well, how often too, do people show up with, you know, maybe a couple of Mexican beers as well. So you just, you know, booze, the limes always go, well, I'm with yeah. you. Uh, get on that right now. Tito's our friends at Tito's. We love you. It's been a great football season. Another very successful season. Couldn't have done it without you. Look forward to 2023 and beyond, baby. That's right. Uh, Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume. Namely 80 proof, savored to be, crafted to be savored responsibly. Speaking of the Pro Bowl, you know how those guys made it. Did you see the story today that it happened as well last year that Josh Allen bowed out with an injury? And for the second straight year, he will be uh, playing at Pebble Beach in Spyglass uh, this upcoming week. I did see that story, yes. Good for Josh. <laughs> Have you been to the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am? I have, You and I yeah. went to the U.S. Open. You went to the U.S. Open, the Gary Woodland one. But um, for, for the Pro-Am, do you have to take, like, park your car and then take shuttles the same way we did for the U.S. Open, you think? No, you can park. It's a little easier to get to. I, I, I saw the list of celebrities. I think the tournament peaked, like, five years ago because the pros, there's, like, a they go to Saudi now. They get paid. And even the list of celebrities, it's just not, it's not quite as Tiger Phil. You used to be can't miss. I'd say a decade ago, it's not quite as good. Yeah, Rogers is there. He's probably a couple. You know, Jake Owen, Bill Murray always go, but mm -hmm. it's not. I think it's lost a little bit of his luster. All right, John, we have a lot to dive into. Do we start with Sean Payton or D'Amico Ryan's? Well, they're kind of interconnected, if you believe our man Rap Sheet. Rap Sheet tweeted that with D'Amico all but set to take the Texans job, or really set to take the Texans job, the Broncos, must have viewed him as their top choice, made another push on Tuesday to convince him to take their job. Once he, it was clear to them he was not going to take their job, they pivoted to trade a first and a second. For Sean Payton, who looked like he was prepared to maybe just sit this next season out on the sidelines and go on cowherd once a week, and uh, instead he's going to become the Broncos coach. Albright, who I think now works at a radio station that is the radio station of the Broncos, and he lives there and is super locked in with that organization, as well as Cliss, who transitioned as well as you can to clearly be the number one John Elway source to just the other guys in the organization. So he's he's pretty locked and loaded. Had been tweeting about D'Amico, I'd say, for the last month, the interest level, and definitely the last couple of weeks. Denver wanted him. And, you know, Houston, he signed a six-year deal, Kyle style. <laughs> and I also think when you look at the landing pad of just, you kind of get to mold it. They have the, the Browns pick the next two years where the Broncos are kind of the opposite. They're missing picks because of Russell. And you don't have a quarterback. Now, you got to get a quarterback, but I'd rather not have a quarterback and have a million picks with a six-year contract, try to figure it out, than be stuck with a guy if I didn't like the guy as a player and when you factor in the contract that has not even started yet. I, I think D'Amico made the right move. And I think Sean Payton's taken a pretty risky move. Yeah. You know, when, when Andy Reed, who I would say was in somewhat of a similar situation to Sean, obviously Andy got fired from the Eagles. Sean retired, retired, feel strong. He just took a year off. Is that a better way to put it? You think with Sean Payton? <laughs> Never. I, I think from very quickly, it was clear he was coming back. Just didn't want to coach the Saints anymore, kind of felt. Yeah, like. remember Andy kind of interviewed, I think, with the Chargers, the Cardinals, uh, and he ultimately took the Chiefs. The Chiefs that year had the number one overall pick, and he immediately knew that he could trade for Alex Smith. But he kind of got to mold the organization. They had a couple of players there. 
but he got to put his stamp on it from a quarterback standpoint. This feels pretty risky. Like to me, D'Amico, what's his risk? They've had two one and done coaches. They've been a fucking embarrassment. And he gets a six year contract under no circumstances are they going to fire him. And he probably, he's just really good. I think he's just really good. Like, Knows ownership. So, you know, with the potential, if it turns out like, ah, I don't like working with Casario, maybe he could win the uh, power struggle. They've had power struggles there under ownership before that the head coach has won. Remember, Bill O'Brien won a power struggle uh, with the front yeah. office once upon a time. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe in his mind, we'll see who is. I haven't seen a report on his offensive coordinator yet, but maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is his quarterback. I don't know. Um, well, he's the coordinator. I was like, oh, player coach? <laughs> he did play against Davis. He did coach against Davis Mills, right? Was that last year? Um, so I guess he has some idea what he is, but. I'd, yeah, say, I mean, Davis, I'd say Davis Mills is a starter. His time feels up. It does. They've They've tried that for two years now. Yeah. So, and obviously he has a personal connection to the place. Um, a wild turn of events. And really from before, like you made the point to me, two really good coaches just became head coaches on Tuesday, January 31st. From a Niners perspective, both of them went to the AFC. Not terrible. Is it kind of crazy? The Cardinals haven't hired a coach yet. We don't quite know, you know what they're going to see there. Well, think about this. Kyle's pumped out two coaches in the last 24 months, and both of them went to teams that he'll never see. I mean, these two guys, part of the Dan Quinn intrigue the last two years, like these guys work together. It'd be one thing if you were playing, if one of these guys had gone to Arizona or in divisional team or even a conference team, they've gone to the Texans and the Jets. When I close my eyes, I never envisioned the 49ers playing the Jets ever. And you're like the Texans. I have some memory like every four years. I, I do not remember any Jets games ever against the 49ers. I guess one game, the Garrison Hurst 80-yard run when I was like 18. I remember I went to a far Favre's game at Candlestick with the Jets, and it was he was bad. They were bad. Was, what year was that? Like 07? Uh, I think it was a little... Nine? Yeah, eight? Yeah, something like that. Uh, party bus, drinking the whole way. Barely remember. Felt, I think I napped during the game. You would have to put the Jets, if you're like... What is the least likely matchup you ever envisioned the 49ers playing? The Jets feel at the top or near the top of that list. I'm just like, can you envision this game? Like the oh, NFC yeah, the South both, game, the, the, both the Saints, the, both the Panthers. Both injury game. Yeah, because they played them back to back, but it's just, it, you just. The Giants and Jets, give me high fives. Obviously, you play these teams every four years. Like you play every team in the league every four years, but yeah, I just. So that's good. Um, L for L for the Niners, right? On a fundamental level, if they had two third round picks and they could trade two third round picks for D'Amico Ryan's, they would trade two third round picks for D'Amico Ryan's. It doesn't work like that. They get a third for D'Amico because they already got two thirds from Rand Carthens. So the Niners have three thirds this year and another third next year for Rand Carthen. And the D'Amico third is 2025. They get a third round pick for D'Amico. Ten third round picks that Niners have gotten over the course you, of the You're last saying year. they don't get two threes next year, one for D'Amico and Rand? They don't, you don't get, yeah, they get, I think you can max out at three per like cycle, I think was the, so they only get one. Um, but thanks to Rand Carthen, D'Amico Ryans, Mike McDaniel, Martin Mayhew. Who am I missing? Oh, Robert Sala. The Niners have, have stacked up ten third round picks over the last three years, even though it's not in a three-year window that they get the picks, because you got and next year not as important, right? Because they are going to have their first, their second, their third back. 
Yeah. Like this well, year, they, they don't have a first. They don't have, they traded their second for McCaffrey. They traded their third for McCaffrey. They traded a fourth for McCaffrey. So, which, <laughs> hey, worth it. Well, well worth it. Well, well worth, worth it. it. But they lose to Miko Ryans. That's the, that's the headline that we're discussing there. Who to me, Robert Sala was an awesome dude, a fantastic coach, and a really good coaching candidate. I think D'Amico's on a different level. When you factor in, he was the defensive rookie of the year. He was defensive team captain for his team as a player immediately. Pro Bowl level guy. So like team captain, Pro Bowl level guy. I would say one of the true rocket ship careers of like, like Brandon Staley. I'm not quite sure how he's still around. Also a rocket ship career. Vic Fangio, position coach, within like five years as a head coach in the NFL, had never sniffed playing in the NFL and only coached at like John Carroll. D'Amico, NFL player, Alabama, sweet NFL player, team captain, character guy, assistant coach, lowest level, shoots up to be the coordinator immediately, and the defense got better. You know, it was like, it's just one of those rocket ships where you're like, yeah, there's no slowing it down. And, and everyone to a man's like, he's a star. You know, Fred Warner's like, yeah, he helped make my career. Yeah. Remember, you said the other day, Kyle called it years ago that D'Amico was, that this exactly, this is what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the Ringer article, they just had all Kyle's quotes. It was like his whole career has been a prediction. He's going to be an awesome player. Boom. He's going to be a a player, Pro Bowl level guy. He's going to be a solid linebacker coach. He's going to be a good defensive coordinator. He's going to be a good head coach. Like, I wouldn't bet against this guy. Robert Saul is more of a true head coaching, like bounced around, position coach, right? Was on a team with a lot of talent. Even the first couple of years, remember people kind of calling for his job, like, is he any good? Is he? It, yeah, I mean, is he true Shanahan tree? Because D'Amico is, right? Yeah, I, I'd say Saul a little Pete Carroll there too. You know, I would, but I'd also say he does not necessarily become a head coach unless he coaches with Kyle Shanahan. So I'll, I'll, I, I'm saying Pete Carroll's tree because that's kind of where his coaching career started yeah. as, as in the NFL. Like D'Amico's yeah. entire coaching career is with Kyle. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I just think it does feel like he's got some, he's, he's more understated in terms of he's not, Vrabel's got a little cocky rah rah to him. And every human's personality is different. But I think him and Vrabel are comparable in the sense of like, High-level players, everyone around him was like, this guy's a star. And then he gets into coaching immediately, star, and becomes a head coach. What's D'Amico, our age? I mean, I don't even know if he's 40 yet. Might be 40 because he he was, I think, offensive rookie. He was 07. He's 38? 38. Turns 39 in July. So he'll coach his first NFL game as a 39-year-old? Yes. W- wouldn't you say that, 37 to 39 is kind of like the new NFL 45. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and D'Amico's probably an example. I, for a guy that played in the league, well, I mean, he has only coached 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, six years he's been coaching. Came with Kyle. Uh, so we are, you know, for, for, uh, basically 15 years since his rookie year, he's an NFL head coach. Did stop playing though, you know. It's I think a lot of coaches often say about former players when they get frustrated. It's like, yeah, I've been coaching that nine years when you were playing, so perfecting the craft, and that's what made I think D'Amico and Vrabel kind of unique. Like they were team pos- captain. Yeah, they Sorry. were team captains. The the voice of the defense Pl- played a position where you are the coach on the field, right? That helps. 
Yeah, it's like Wes, you were a slot receiver. <laughs> you know, it's like D'Amico was like, yeah, I was calling the defense. <laughs> you know, I I did the signals. Yeah, it's like the coaching equivalent of like quarterbacks get like all the shots to be broadcasters. It's because they just know everything. Yeah. Like it just translates. That's why Greg Olson's been like I think tight ends. You know, probably because they know blocking, they know pass game, uh, they know run game. Uh, catchers with uh, managers, right? Yeah, yeah. Back when the managers used to make decisions during the game, true themselves. I was thinking about that. The the rumors we'll see where uh, we'll get into Vic here in a second. That Dan Quinn got paid like basically five million dollars a year, and Vic was waiting for that contract because he's going to get like five and a half, six. The coordinators in the NFL make dramatically like, is there a major league manager that sniffs that amount of money anymore? I think their salaries are going down. <laughs> yeah. Wrong profession. I'd be like, I'd be a 38 year old, like hitting coach. I'd be like, I might just get into coaching football, man. <laughs> or go coach college baseball. Yeah. Become a head coach. And you know, yeah, that's a good idea. Just go, just transition to like your college football's quality control coach. But you and I talked about That's this. Not a bad idea. Just if you're the baseball coach, go to the football coach's office. Like, hey, man, I don't know football, but I really know organization. Like, I can just help. I can be in charge of, like, uh, you know, organizing our fucking whatever it is that you guys do here. Not a bad idea. As like the like Alabama pitching, as the Alabama pitching coach making like a hundred, you go be Saban's head of recruiting and make like yeah. seven hundred. Yeah, I, I don't. You don't have to. How hard is it really? You and I talked about this before we hopped on. You know. You can't cook your books with these Rooney Rule draft picks. You have to be good. So you can hire all the minorities you want on a staff. If your team doesn't win, no one gives a shit. The reason the 49ers have cleaned up with these third-round picks, and they really have. I mean, they lead the league in them, and they literally have the max amount this year, and they're getting denied some in the future because they're getting pushed back. It's because they've had a lot of success. And these guys, especially Saul of McDaniel and D'Amico, are just... I mean, some of the best candidates on, you know, in their coaching cycles. Now, you would say this upcoming staff, we'll see who Kyle names on defense. It doesn't feel, as of today, like there's a D'Amico Ryan, Ryan's on the staff to be a head coach, but that that's changed fast. Yeah, I think the first question before you get to that, I mean, I agree with you, but I think the first question is, who does D'Amico take with him off of the 49ers staff? That's part of losing a coach is they take guys with them. Right. And I think repeatedly, like D'Amico, you're just prepared to lose. You knew you're going to lose him at some point. I think every time you lose a coach, the question is going to be, can you keep Chris Kasarek? That's the number one question. Right. Because his guy, the one thing you know, and it's hard sometimes to know, like from a position coach standpoint, how good a coach is. There is no debate about who one of the best non coordinator position coaches in the NFL is. It's Chris Kasarek. Period. <laughs> Yeah. There's not a debate about it. So, you know, he has stayed before. Multiple guys have left to become head coaches, and he has stayed. I always, for the 49ers, anytime a guy is going to leave to become head coach, will hold my breath. Is Chris Kasarek going to stay on the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan? Well, remember a couple years ago when Saul left, he basically said you can take one of the offensive guys, and he took LaFleur and not McDaniel. And it was probably worked out best for McDaniel because in two years he became a head coach, right? Yeah. I guess it was only a year. Uh when you look at all the guys McDaniel took, a lot of them felt like they were fired. You know, John Embry, Wes Welker, like they, they weren't going to come back. It's going to be very, very fascinating on, on this staff because you'd say Kasarik and Forrester feel like they're not going anywhere. They'll want a D-line coach. 
you know, Brian Greasy's probably not number one on D'Amico's list. What also makes D'Amico a little unique is he played for a lot of different coaches throughout the years, right? He played for the Texans, then he got traded to the Eagles. He was there for the Andy Reid staff, then he was there with Chip Kelly. You know, his Rolodex of coaches is a little different than some of these typical, like, Kyle Minions. It would have shocked you if, like, I like this guy from this, or we used to play against this guy. I got to know him in the division when I was in the NFC East, or I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see. Like, ultimately, Sean Payton, all his former guys that just got fired around the league, like Lombardi with the Chargers, like Lombardi's going to coach with him, and I would bet in Denver. D'Amico, who is offensive coordinator, is like, that's a fascinating hire. You know? Is it Kubiak? Could be the dad. You just tell me, oh, you know, Gary tells D'Amico, like, I'll come back and be your offensive coordinator for a year, help you get this thing going. Because he's going to need. Dar- like, maybe Daryl Tapp is his D-line coach. Yeah, I could see something like that. They played together in Philly. But that's that's a pretty natural. You take the assistant if you like him, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The assistant position yeah. coach. Who his offensive coordinator is. Like, if it is, I would say taking Kubiak's kid would be a pretty bold move. You know? It does feel like that position maybe get like a former head coach. He's going to need a former head coach on his team. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. I mean, something like whatever that version is. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, like a Pat Shermer or someone that he's been around. Pat Shermer's Mac, Mac do. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's got some guy like that written all over. Yeah. Um, which is the smart move. You're going to be a head coach for the first time. Whether he calls defense or not, you probably want a guy that knows what he's doing with the offensive. Like the one thing you saw with LaFleur, he'd never been an offensive coordinator before, and it starts going wrong. It can get weird quick. At least when you got a guy and it goes weird and it's a McAdoo, a Shermer, a, a Kubiak, it's like, I've been around the block, guys. They did have, you know, they were supposed to have a veteran quarterback coach. Um who died, who got hit by the bike, like in Walnut Creek. Knapp. Yeah. Greg Knapp. Um, that was part of the Michael LaFleur plan, right? It's like, we are going to have a veteran here for Zach Wilson. And then he was killed. But I would say, though, when you have to do that, remember McVay hired Wade Phillips? And it was like, we want a veteran former head coach, but also just an older guy in the staff or the younger guy. When you have to hire for the, for the quarterback and kind of your position and your coordinator, like that's... That's a lot. Yeah. Anthony Lynn, Justin on the stream suggests. Yeah. I mean, something like that. Can't hate. That's, I'm not worried about replacing a running back coach. Like no, Anthony I'll, Lynn. Yeah. Although I will, one thing, when the Niners started losing, um, you might remember when they started losing quarterbacks left and right in the NFC Championship game, one thing that didn't happen, like Shanahan didn't immediately go to the bench and just start. It was Anthony Lynn. Flipping through stuff with use check. It was greasy going through stuff with Josh Johnson. I, you know, we don't, it's hard to know sometimes what a QB coach just from the outside. You'd have to say greasy probably had a good year in his first year. coaching. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'd say it went pretty well for greasy. All things considered. I'd say, yeah, I'd say uh, not bad. I did a good job. <laughs> Honestly, Anthony Lynn, you could make fun of him and I'm guilty as anybody for his charger tenure. He's clearly a very high-valued offensive assistant in the NFL, right? I, I bet, like, yeah, and he's he could, probably underutilized as a running backs coach. But he, I think, he was the assistant head coach as well. 
not sure exactly. That's maybe a little more of a title, but uh, to get a guy a little more cash. But it's a real title, right? Like that's Deuce Staley's title, running back coach, assistant head coach. I, I think, and you see that on the sideline, like you run shit when you got to. And yeah. Kyle doesn't budge from his is uh well he has referees to scream at <laughs> yeah that's true he has referees to scream at uh you know th- there was kind of the domino effect on who the Niners get a defensive coordinator to talk about before we jump to that though we do have to just talk about the fact that Sean Payton just took the Denver Broncos job for have you seen the money on that yet but no. God only knows how much money would be your what would be your guess five years 25 million dollars a year Five years, $25 million a year. So like a $125 million contract? I mean, I, yeah, I would say, remember, wasn't the initial story he wants 20 to 25? Wasn't that the story out of New Orleans? I just think all these college guys are signed at 80 to $90 million. Like To me, Sean Payton's number is well above that. Yeah, I mean, the, the Broncos people are rich. Now, part and of the, those guys are signing 10-year deals, right, because of recruiting. So it's a little different than NFL coaches. I, I do wonder, would he have to have a – would he want a longer contract than Russell? Every coach that coaches Russell loses their job. I also think if you're an NFL coach and you're already super rich, and if things get weird, you could always – I mean, a guy like Sean Payton could get like a third job. Unlike college, you wouldn't want to sign like a nine-year contract. Yeah, I, he might want to leave them. He could just sign a four-year, $100 million contract. Like right, right. now, he's stuck. Right, like they had to trade a first and a second. His team is worse because he was under contract yeah. with the Saints. His team is worse because they had to give up picks. Um, Do you think that's fair? Like, it's one thing if you just fuck me and quit, and I don't have a coach or whatever. You hired another coach who was on his staff that he brought. Like, you guys have moved on. I understand some compensation, but this notion that like they kind of got to hold him hostage. You're not paying him anymore. I would get it if you're paying him. I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I love it. At the same time, he signed a contract that he just decided what? Like, we, we're going to suck. I don't want to be a part of this. Like, did yeah. they front load? You know, like, did they, like, how much? They gave him a lot of money, partly because, like, yeah, you're going to be our coach for the next X amount of years, right? If that's what they did, but if I'm just paying you by year, once I retire, you don't owe me any more money. If you gave me like a fifty million dollar upfront, I get it. Tire right, you're like loopholing your way out. I, yeah, I just need a change of scenery. So do you? What be, about like a, what about like a prescribed amount? Like it's just always a third round pick when something like this happens, instead of a negotiation. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying, I you know, part of like when Belichick got traded to the Pats from the Jets, he just quit on the Jets after a day. Part of remember when Gruden, Gruden was literally the Raiders' head coach. Like this guy, they have another head coach with a whole staff. Like and like next on. year, it would have it would have cost just a second round pick to get him, right? Yeah, and they've made all these moves. Like they've just moved on. Like they started dating someone new. Now they were forced into it. I get it. So you got to be compensated a little bit, but I, I just feel feels like, like too much. I agree with that. This feels like everyone's moved on. But this now, is the way the world I, I, works. You get I, if it, I have if I have possession of something like and you want it, there's a price. Yeah, but I I don't love making teams give up first round like trading first round picks for coaches. At the same time, they wanted D'Amico, per the reports, couldn't get him, so they were in a desperate situation. If he is a very good coach for them, he's well worth a first. And you're trying to save Russ, like you've got all this money invested in Russ, so you are kind of chasing your losses here, right? You are doubling down because you don't really have a choice. 
Well, I, I saw someone tweeting like I, you know, about Sean Payton's contract. Ultimately, the contract is irrelevant to the football team, right? But it is not. It is relevant the picks you traded. I do think they're put some added pressure when you trade a first and a second round pick for a coach. It they could be paying a fifty million, whatever. It, it has no impact on the roster or anything that goes on with football. To me, though, trading for the player or the picks are. I think there is tangible pressure on the Peyton Russell regime, like sure. immediately. Yeah. And I, I mean, if he makes Russ a solid quarterback, he's immediately worth the first round pick, right? As long as they're winning, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah. But but I'd say anything less than like they can't. I, I, I have a hard time seeing them like look decent and win six wins and it feel good. Right. No, I think they got to be a playoff team <laughs> because the, because if Russ they, they got good players on defense they got good players on offense if Russ is solid why shouldn't they be a playoff team? Right, like so a, bad like a nine win like yeah. that's what you because um, now you're paying whatever twenty to twenty five million conservatively twenty million for your coach what's Russ making next year? Whatever he's making, you know. So we're probably talking what sixty million dollars between the two of them. Future is now. Like when you start trading picks, it's just the future is now. I know. Especially so, when the reason you got that pick is because you traded a pass rusher who you weren't going to resign, but still, I mean, that was that's a pretty good trade to trade a guy that clearly probably is not worth a first round pick to get a first round pick back. Now, if Sean Payton's good, of course he's worth pick thirty. Which yeah, thirty million in cash this year for Russ. Who? Who did the Bengals? The Niners had a better record than Bengals. So the, the Bengals would be pick 29 and the Niners would be pick 30. That's pick 30. So it's not hurt a little more if it was pick 10. Every team in the league, if you needed a coach, would trade pick 30 for Sean Payton, right? Yeah. So it's not that crazy. And the second round pick is the following year. So the, the trade maybe isn't as crazy as once you start talking it out. Because the way we talk about it, for all first round picks aren't equal, right? The ninth, well, no, like the, the pick that the, uh, uh, <laughs> like the Saints would happily swap the pick they just got. Well, if I tell you, hey, guy, for the one they sent to Philly, I totaled my car today. You'd be like, oh, shit, are you okay? Be like, I'm completely fine. You're like, how's the car? It's like, it's done. Well, if I told you it was, you know, 1987 Pinto worth nothing. You'd be like, no it's big deal. Pinto. I saw yesterday or a couple days ago, Right here in the parking lot, there was a Lamborghini. The guy was walking by, who I kind of got to know. I'm like, how much do you think this thing's worth? And he kind of looked at it and knew he was a car guy. I guess about $500,000. Oh, it's not his car. No, it's not his car. But we were kind of looking at it, and he kind of, I could tell he kind of knew his cars. And if I told you I totaled the Lamborghini, it would be a different reaction, right? right? So... You know, I, I don't know, man. I just think that the, we just – but we we don't discuss that with first-round picks unless it's like the top five pick. It's just first-rounder. We just – three first-rounders for Trey Lance. But we never specify like, well, actually one was picked this, one was picked that. It's just three first-rounders. Sean Payton got traded for a first-rounder. John Gruden got traded for a first-rounder. Well, Gruden won the Super Bowl, so the following year's first-rounder was had to be near the end, right? Butcherbox.com slash ham – Helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. 
ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham, and you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code ham50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38.5 right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's Download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said, they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the performance package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts Boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code HAM. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app, Future You Will Thank You. I got to tell you about the Eufy Video Lock. I've spent years trying to upgrade my security system at the house with one of those big name companies that, I'll be honest, sucks. I got the Eufy Video Lock, and it's an automatic improvement. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y, Video Lock. It's easy to install, just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required, and now I've got the keyless entry. I always go for walks. I don't want to take keys. I hate stuff in my pockets. I go without the keys. The fingerprint recognition lets me in in less than one second. 
There's no monthly fees. You have your recordings locally. You never have to pay for storage. I love knowing that doorbell ring was just a delivery. I don't have to jump up and get it. Or if I'm out of town, I can look. I can see the landing in front of the door and tell the neighbor, hey, do you mind swinging by and picking up something? I love the three-in-one video smart lock from Eufy, and you will too. So search Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to tecovas.com, and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered... Can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear, and it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes west. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you suck like the first rounder that Seattle gets from Denver this year, it feels pretty good. Or that Philly <laughs> gets from the, it's the Saints. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, what I love about this move is much like Gruden to the Raiders. Maybe even more so than Gruden to the Raiders because Russ is already there. There is just a really high implosion factor here for the Broncos, right? Like sometimes if something fails, it's not interesting. Denver is interesting no matter what it looks like. And with Sean Payton, it's it's now that 10x or 5x or whatever, 2x. Russ was already fascinating. Now with Sean Payton, it's interesting. Sean Payton is established. He's a very good coach. It's a complicated situation. 
in a stacked division, right? Every team in the division now has an extremely high-profile quarterback or an extremely high-profile coach or both. Like, Kansas City has both. Denver now has both. I'd say the Chargers have a high-profile quarterback, and Staley's a high-profile, but he's not Sean Payton or Andy Reid, tier one profile. And obviously the Raiders. In, in the polarizing, though, where everyone talks about him. He is polarizing. And then Josh McDaniels, very polarizing. Yeah. And listen, when you live, I can't, you know, when I lived in Philadelphia, when when the team would be on the road and I'd be at home, like the games we get on the Eastern Seaboard are a lot different than the ones we get here on the West Coast. I feel like just regular CBS game in the afternoon window, half the year I get a Denver game, feels six to eight times a year. It's just on my local television feed, yeah, Denver yeah, Broncos. Yeah. And it's been like that my whole life. Yeah. And when they're good or competitive, they immediately become – they get treated kind of like a high-profile brand, right? Because they are one. Yeah, they are. They're, they, they are – they're not a Tier 1 NFL brand, but they're a Tier – I would say they're Tier 2. They got until – good in the 90s, it feels like you're just like at least at minimum Tier 2. Good point. Do you think Bills. that's when the that when the fan bases were really kind of exponentially grew? Well, it's when the Fox TV deals really. It's like where all the TV money really blew up, and the NFL went from not that it was mom and pop before, but the NFL became the big business that it is today in the nineties, and point. the television distribution became humongous. And I think I would guess if we check the, I mean, the ratings have been big, you know, but as things as we went. Because cable came along and it was no longer just you're going to get the biggest ratings because there's only three channels, right? Which is why these games rated in the 70s. But in the 90s, things started to segment a little bit, cable and dish and all that stuff. And that's when the big TV TV deals came along. And the NFL really grew because they got big influxes of money in the 90s. It feels like I get Monday Night Football has been going on for a long time. But Monday Night Football, in my youth, I feel like I saw a lot of Chiefs, a lot of Broncos. I see a lot of AFC West, and it makes sense, right? They had Marty. Those teams in Kansas City were really good, and John Elway was the coach, the quarterback yeah. for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I, I envisioned seeing a lot of Monday Night Football Denver Broncos games as a kid. Like three or four a year, it feels I agree. like. I uh, yeah. Which matters, right? And, and think about it. For... From 1984 till 1997, they had, I bet, pretty early in John Elway's career, he's one of the most famous athletes in America. I think he was a real, I think right away, right? Because he famously, like, I'm not playing for this team. I'm not playing for that team. His dad had been, he'd been at Stanford. They weren't any yeah. good, but you know, he'd been drafted by the Yankees, big time draft. You're right. He did the, I'm not playing for you thing. So that immediately. Back then, that was. <laughs> Mel Kiper was, that, that was a viral move. <laughs> That's a viral move. Mel was pissed. Chargers have Kellen Moore as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the stories has been that where if Sean Payton landed somewhere, that Vic Fangio would go there with him. But Sean Payton landed at a place where Vic was just fired as the head coach. There were several reports that Vic was going to the Dolphins a couple of days ago. Um, but nothing has transpired yet. On Monday, Mike Silver wrote, for what it's worth, Vic Fangio told me last night nothing's been decided. Silver said there is a huge amount of mutual respect between Kyle Shanahan and Fangio. It appears the Niners will have an opening soon, which they now do. Vic clearly has a good relationship with the 49ers organization. He's been around a ton. 
I think um, there was some sense the last two times Kyle needed a like when Kyle got the job, there was the possibility that Vic would be a DC, but then I think Vic shortly thereafter or at the same time, I don't remember the exact timeline became the Broncos head coach. feels like that was shortly thereafter, but you know, that was part of that timeline was Vic kind of felt like a natural Niners DC, but then he got a head coaching job. And then it's like, you weren't, you had D'Amico. So Vic wasn't going to get the job that time. Um, Chris Wilkes, the Niners have reportedly requested Steve, Steve Wilkes. Thank you. Chris Harris, who is just looks badass, uh, football team, uh, DB coach play in the league for eight years. Great headshot. For those of you listening, go to his wiki and go to his commander's team photo. It's fantastic. Why does Del Rio always a part of staffs that are just like they're the staff that could beat up all the other staffs? Because <laughs> that about- Del Rio number one quality alpha? Only alphas only. <laughs> I mean <it's- laughs> so Man. um Blake on the stream says uh, losing to Miko hurts so bad. The best DC under Kyle, where do we go from here? I don't think we have anyone on the staff at this moment that can step up in this role. And Severo says both Shanahan and Fangio seem grumpy. They'd make a great pair. Now there is the issue of he, he has historically run a different defense than the 49ers have. For Fangio can be grumpy <laughs> from people that like literally with him that worked yeah. with him in Chicago. I just think yeah. it's he's one thing. I, I don't think Kyle cares about that. Right. Kyle no, 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 no. Other coaches might be like, he offends me. I'm in charge. No, because one thing you would say about Saul and D'Amico, they are upbeat, optimistic, glass half full guys. One thing I heard about Vic is he's really good with players. One thing that was an issue with him in Denver that he didn't have to ever deal with when he was in Chicago was, you know, it's the defensive mindset. You can be grumpy if you're really good and also know what you're doing. But with the offense and quarterbacks, it can be difficult, and that was a downfall of his, which mm. he's just a number two, and there's nothing wrong. I think there's two ways to look at it. If you go with the simple philosophical belief, assuming that Kassarik can coach with them because they coach uh, schematically completely different things, if you think it's going to be no issue and it, it'd work and they think that ah, would be fine, we know each other, we're buddies, or we can be buddies, it's a big-picture move. You're getting the best guy on the market because he is the best defensive coordinator on the market, not debatable. But scheme does matter, and it might take a little time because what I've heard, I have a very close friend that worked with him in Chicago. He said, it is stupid how good this guy is. Like, it's he's a master. Like, the way we talk about Kyle or Andy or even Sean Payton, like, with scheme and how much they know their scheme, it's like, this guy's a football fucking genius. And the best players on his team have had the best years when he's been their coordinator. Time in and time out. It's just, but it's completely different than you're with the Niners. And the one thing I think the pushback would be, if I was just on the outside looking in, do you want to risk a potential just transitional period, even if you have a lot of players that feel like could easily make the transition, but could take a step back in a year where you're kind of ready to win? Well, I would say two things. One, because I would imagine over the last month, it's been pretty clear throughout the season he was going to get a job, but like over the last month, Kyle knows he's gone. You've probably had these, like him and John have had these deep philosophical talks, like, you know, four, three, three, four. And he's probably been ongoing because the Vic thing, but it's a, it's a pretty big risk, even if you're getting the best guy in the market, given how good you've been running this specific defense now, right? Yeah. And, and given that you have, like, I can see the first press conference 
after we've watched Nick Bosa drop into coverage seven times and people are like, why are we doing this? Is this really the best thing to do? Right? He is why? pretty good with his pass rushers though, right? Khalil, Alden, you Here's know. Thing, like Vic's been around the Niners a lot. I would imagine he doesn't just drop in, watch practice, and then leave without having a conversation with anybody, right? Whether it be Mike Shanahan or Chris Kacarek or Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch or some Adam Peters, somebody, Jed York, um, about like what might it look like? And is it a guarantee that if the Niners hired Vic Fangio that they would switch to his historic defensive philosophy? Because like when Kyle Shanahan who many people say is one of the best offensive minds in the game and that everybody understands has a very specific system that he runs when he has been in a situation where his quarterback doesn't do exactly what he generally does with RG three in Washington and with Trey Lance at the beginning of this year, he changed what he does a little bit. He adjusted a little bit of what he does. So if Vic is every bit what your buddy says he is like one of the great defensive minds, well, who's to say that he couldn't say, you know what? I will adapt to what you guys do. I think I've got – he's watched a lot of these practices, John. If there's any part of him that thinks he can meld what he's done with what Chris Kacarek does and what these guys do best, adapt to his personnel. Wouldn't you say that's what the best coaches do, adapt to their personnel? So – Well, the the Patriots have been a consistent, fantastic defense for 23 years now, right? What's the New England Patriots defense, right? Changes every week. They don't have one. Yeah, Vic historically has been now, in a base three-four defense, and I think that's where the base three-four defense. Now, I think the modern-day coach would be like, "Well, most teams come out in three wide receivers now, so you're just naturally immediately in a nickel situation where you have a, another DB and you take a you know one of those pass rushers or defensive linemen. You know, you kind of you morph immediately. Could you? I, I think depending on what teams you play, some teams are in eighty percent of the time. I think the league average was. I'm pretty sure I heard recently high 60s that you're in three receiver sets, which means you're in a nickel defense. Which I, I can already hear the Kyle Shanahan press conference after they've hired Vic Fangio and people are ask, peppering him with questions about how is this going to work? And Kyle acts like they're the stupidest questions he's heard, right? He's, if you he's think I'm going to fucking apologize for Croft blocking Hassan Reddick, you got another thing coming. You did not have all the information. Of course, we can all say now I should have thrown the challenge flag. But Fox did not give me a good replay. But I can already hear it, and I'm not even mocking it. Like I, I can see Kyle Stanley going, wait a second. So I shouldn't have hired the best coordinator on the market because of what he's done historically? Vic's a really good coach. We got really good players. That's going to work, right? I can see Kyle explaining that in an in-depth way of how they're going to make it work. And I'd be willing to risk that. I'd be willing to say, let's see if Vic Fangio can work with Eric Armstead, Dre, uh, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, Emmanuel Mosley, maybe, Mooney Ward, Nick Bosa, and uh, Eric Armstead. Did I say Armstead? Nick Bosa. Right? Like, uh, uh, let's just give it a shot. Let's take some of the best defensive players in the league and put them with the best defensive coach in the league and see if this bad boy can work with Chris And Vic, if you want to coach Kinlaw, who actually, in theory, should work in your scheme, don't watch the Eagle game. If you want us to cut Kinlaw, because that's what you will tell me to do, Throw on the Eagle game. Yeah. <laughs> or any of the other games. Yeah, I'd say uh, that, that one, it started off and looked like Grant was going to lose the battle. It, I'd say it aged, you know, his some of his comments didn't quite age as strong as the, as the season well, went Kilo on. He did get on the field. That, that part, you know, he did get True. on the field consistently. 
But um, if you just look at it from a simple perspective, hire the best guy, you can't justify. There is not a football coach in America that would rather have Steve Wilkes or this, you know, defensive back coach over Vic Fangio. It's not debatable. Now, if you factor in, like, if Kyle's like, I really want to run a 4-3 defense, exactly what we've been doing up the field, wide nine, and Vic's like, that's not, I don't feel as comfortable, whatever, then, yeah, I I get it. But I, I think that. But how, how if you're I, Vic? I, I, I think Vic Fangio will be the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Well, there's been smoke around that hire for several years. It just hasn't lined up. right? It's lined up now. It's lined up now. And if you're Vic and you have the choice of Denver, good defensive players, good head coach. Is that Miami. a choice, though? Does any coach ever go back to where he's been the head coach that recently to be a position guy? Uh, uh, I heard Papa today say, uh, uh, what was the guy? The the Chiefs guy, Gunther, not Paul Gunther. Yeah, Gunther Cunningham. I, Gunther I'd Cunningham. Say... I guess he was close with the with the Hunt family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Just because you asked, only Greg would know. Uh, and then Miami. Miami has good defensive players, right? Good team. But Vic's been just hanging around the Niners for a, a long time. Just been hanging around the Niners a long time. Pretty clearly how he put him on the payroll because they knew they might lose their defensive coordinator and they wanted the opportunity, I'm sure. Like, he didn't just randomly put him on the payroll, right? Yeah. I would be – it now doesn't feel like Gannon's going to get a job. He's not going to Texas. He's not going to Denver. Indy's taken. Or excuse me. Carolina's taken. It doesn't feel like he's in the mix at Indy. I guess his only spot would be Arizona, that that guy will just be back. Because if you told me that Gannon had taken one of these jobs, I'd be like, well, they – I imagine the Eagles are trying to get him too, right? Yeah. Don't forget the point you made to me when we were texting about it the other day. Jed's chance to stick it back to uh, Stephen Ross for the political battle that Stephen Ross won in local Santa Clara government <laughs> by funding some project. So. Also a way, Fangio ends up getting more money, I, I would guess. Jed would have to pay him like $5.5 million a year than what he would have made if he, who Tom Sula got the job over him, the Jim Tom Sula at the time probably made like $3.5 million. So ultimately he gets... You think it was 3 and a half? You don't think it was like two and a half? It was three and a half. 2014, yeah. I mean, Pat Hill, when I was at Fresno State in like 09, yeah, was right. making $2 million. Yeah. But whatever it was, it was the lowest. But it was... Uh, he's going to get Jed back. Which I listen. I don't give Jed necessarily credit, but the Niners have done a, done a good job of just not making it weird. Because sometimes in sports, when you have a crazy breakup, there is no coming back, right? Honestly, shock Papa and Kyle Shanahan can even talk after what happened in 1991 with Mike Shanahan and Al Davis 75 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, Raiders are a good example. There, once you were out, you were out, right? Uh, yes, the Ra- the Raiders did not have a. They were the door only swung one way. Yeah, even Harbaugh made a comeback this year, which was interesting. Which Harbaugh? Remember Jim when he showed up at the anniversary? Oh for- yeah, with like <laughs> seven other people. I think like thirteen. I think it was nine. <laughs> it was missing a lot of people. Yeah, I think it was nine people, and Jim showed up just. It's, you know, 
we're gonna have a the guy you invite praying they say no and then like i'll love to be there we're gonna have a team reunion for the team that won the division and lost in the conference championship it's a little weird felt forced but may or maybe that was the 12 team uh it was the 12 team. it was the 10 year anniversary of the 12 team yeah yeah um no chance <laughs> Can't afford us. Uh, There's one other story I was going to sneak in here. I don't know. All right. We'll be on uh, on Fangio Watch. It would feel like a win of, a, of, uh, of an offseason move. I do think fundamentally whoever Kyle picks, you know, the one thing you th- like that gives you some confidence with their defensive coordinator is that Kyle knows offense very well. And – I think because of it, he knows he knows defense really well. I think he knows who, you know, now I don't know how much Steve Wilkes he's coached against, certainly Chris Harris, but Washington's defense was good. I, you know, he's got some, he's got a good feel for leadership. Like we'd say he's two for two on hiring defensive coordinators. So, I, I, you know, one major difference between Kyle, Sean McVay, and LaFleur, like everyone thinks LaFleur's defense is suckier in and you're out. Sean McVay, Wade Phillips, one and done Brandon Staley and then Raheem Morris wins the Super Bowl and their defense was awesome. And Kyle's two for two now. Like both those two guys clearly are pr- have a pretty good feel of what good defenses look like. And it's the reason, obviously, this year was a terrible year for the Rams. But even the Niners that had a bad year in 20, their defenses always feel like they're solid. You know, they they value for being offensive play callers. I really value guys that are offensive play callers and all they care about is the offensive scheme and like the team, but they really care about their defensive unit. Yeah. Like Andy would just be like, go buy some sweet players and I'll, I'll just pay a shitload for a defensive coach and you just run it. Like I do Kyle, he's got cameras in their offices. I does feel, I feel like McVay does that too. Like they're always kind of watching. You are set up for success. Also, if you become the Niners defensive coordinator, given the players they have, right. You would think it's kind of a high floor. Well, for not like I don't know if Fangio is like too caught up. Like he just someone's gonna pay him a lot of money and he'll go wherever. I do think if I was one of these young coaches, like that DB coach for Washington, who maybe he's just now in the mix of some of these jobs, I would be all over this. I'd be like, Kyle, I will fucking take that job, man. W- w- you guys don't have to pay me as much. Like I will be there yesterday. What do well, you mean? Honestly, me to do? if he gets the chance, you know what Kyle should do? Could that guy not play? Sh- could that guy? Could that guy <laughs> play like defensive it. tackle slash so what's linebacker? A, what's, a, what's the next size? That's big because that's that's a. What do you think the commander's uh, six a.m. Co- uh, coaching workout looks like? You know, when they they're in the gym in the morning. You can't real. You can't take anybody's coach unless you make them the coordinator, right? Because ideally, you get you get Vic. Although Vic, you know, the thing that Vic would also bring, he's not about to go become somebody else's head coach in all likelihood. Like you're not losing Vic Fangio in two years. He's not getting another head coaching job. Well, th- that's the safest part about it. The long, the big picture. And I, I think I was telling someone this, maybe you. One thing Andy has in Spags is like, where's Spags going? It's as good as yeah. it gets. Like, this is Spags. He could have Spags for like eight straight years. Kyle could have Vic Fangio probably till he retired. If you hired, uh, you know, the Steve Wilkes. Hell, if you hired the UC Davis Denver Bronco guy, that guy could be a head coach next year. Right, I don't know if Wilkes would be, but Evro for sure. I would say Wilkes. Like, what if their defense was just number one again, and it's like he was almost a job? He, he at least could be interviewing for jobs. Yeah, next he year. could be. I mean, he hasn't. He has not failed. Like, yeah, one year in Arizona, which is a mess anyway, and then was 
won games, relatively speaking. Carolina won more games when he became the coach. Uh, yeah, I'm Elliot, says Damon Bruce gave you some love the other day. D. Bruce, D Bruce has always supported the ham operation, so we appreciate that. We, we are con- contractually obligated to talk shit when, when uh, not to, not about D Bruce, but about radio when, when somebody asks. Yeah, it. it's just, <laughs> I mean, I, I can like the people there and think the, the medium is, you know, we got, we, make we fun of the operation. got run out of town, John. We got run out of the building. Yeah. So what are we supposed to do about it, huh? One day, one minute, you're interviewing uh, Darren. No, not Darren McFadden. Who was it? Who's who's the interview on the last day of the show? MJD. No, not a, MJD. Had canceled that. That had been canceled. Marcel Reese. Uh, was it Marcel Reese? Could have been Marcel Reese. Felt like it was a Raiders r- running back. Not Marcel Reese. I couldn't even tell you. Uh. Mark Bedane, was that the interview that day? You, you could also this like leave a place, get forced out. Latavius you're, Murray, that was we interviewed Latavius Murray on the last show. Your life be infinitely better. Money is dramatically more, and still just like I'm going to talk shit till I die. I mean, because it's, it's 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 in fun now. It's like I, it does. I don't care, but the shit talking doesn't end. About you know, God, I can't imagine being there. Yana Vander says hypothetically, what would it take to get Jay Bosa? I, it's not possible. Yeah, only if they were deeply offended that he was in a Niners jacket could could that even happen. Uh, you want to go to the QB situation or uh, Darius Slay? Kittle. Well, I don't know. If, I think the Darius Slay thing we can hammer out fast. Okay, so uh, I had, I don't. Did you see Kittle's initial comments? Did you notice them initially? Uh-huh. I'm not a huge, unless it's an outrageous comment, I don't really care. I, I'm not locked into, I don't watch player press conferences during the week. Um, beside, so, the, beside the quarterback, maybe. In the week leading up to the NFC Championship game, uh, George Kittle said, when you look on paper, you say, yeah, you should be able to match physicality and things like that. Then you go on the field Sundays in the film, and after the game, we'll show you exactly what you're asking. But I know we're going to come out and be violent and physical. I'm expecting them to be the same. We'll see. Then he broke into a huge grin. Uh, he also said, "We'll see on Sunday, won't we?" I mean, they've got six first-round picks on the D line. They have a physical. They have physical guys in the secondary. Physical guys, a linebacker. Whatever you see on paper, sure. So then Darius Slay, who has a podcast slash YouTube on the volume, you sent me the clip today, said basically that the Eagles took notice of those quotes. Like he was kind of he wasn't pissed about it. I didn't think he was like shit talking, but he just said matter of factly. The stuff that Kittle said, like we knew what it meant. He was saying we're good on paper that we're not actually maybe as physical as some of the numbers might make you think. Did I summarize Slay's comments? I think, yeah. And, you know, I have no problem. You know, in an individual sport, when you're an elite player, you can say whatever you want because you get to individually impact everything. And George Kittle as an individual, he could have said, fuck these guys. They ain't going to do shit to me. And he'd be right. Like, he could handle himself, just like Trent, Fred, Nick, Debo. They can say whatever they want in, in a vacuum because they can handle themselves. No different than Kelsey or, you know, Fletcher Cox or Hassan Reddick, Darius Slay, Richard Sherman, whatever. But it is a team game. It's a team game. And there are guys specifically on Kittle's unit, the offense, who are at a major disadvantage against the Eagles' specific unit, the defensive line. Burford, a fourth-round rookie, gets subbed out throughout the game. 
throughout this entire season. That is not normal. And McGlinchey is an average tackle at best. I don't give a shit at what PFF says. In a passing situation where they know he's passing against an elite speed rusher, it is game on for the speed rusher. And obviously, I didn't envision Croft having to block someone. I put that more on Kyle. But still, if you put him in the game, I bet the Eagles are like, we're going after this guy. So when Kittle, who it's not a double middle finger to these guys, but he said it kind of knowing what he was saying to a team that does have a lot of talented players. And in the NFC Championship game, I, I put this out on Twitter, like, well, you really think that they're going to try harder? It's not about trying harder. Everyone tries hard. People try hard in preseason games. This is football. This isn't fucking Adam Silver's league. You try hard every snap for the most part, unless you're down 30 points. It's in high school, college, or the pros. It's about like during the week, this is one of those where what if their focus was just an extra 1%? The message of everything the defensive coordinator was just that extra percent. There's a reason. The greatest coach in the history of football doesn't allow his players to say anything. And that's when they're playing shitty teams or in the Super Bowl. Because what do you get out of it? There is no positive, right? You're not going to like get over on them. There were two teams this week, guy, that talked a lot of shit. Two teams. They both lost. Is that the reason they lost? Of course not. But think about this with the 49ers. George, who again, can back it up. He's an elite player. Even in the clips, he's like, yeah, I think Kittle's one of the best tight ends in the league. He's a badass. He ain't talking about George or Debo or Trent. He knows that those guys are fine. It's about going after the mark. Like, fuck McGlinchey. Fuck Burford. And when we're saying that in the meeting, like, those guys are the mark because they are the mark, it gets extra focus. And what happened? Both quarterbacks got KO'd. And you can say, oh, it's freak deal, middle cuff, because that's what some guys on Twitter, freak deal. That's literally what happened. Both quarterbacks. What's the freak deal? The injury? Yeah, like, did he got taken out? Oh, one guy literally got KO'd and the other guy got destroyed. Yeah, I mean, the question would just be, what do we gain out of this? Whatever, it's not how, debatable it's, that it, it's, it, it was unnecessary. It's like, do you really think? I don't really think anything. The Eagles are literally telling you, they're, they're literally telling you that this was a big deal. And not the team in the defense. And the defense is going up against not just Debo, not just Ayuk, not just Trent. There are other guys on the team that aren't as good. And that are the Niners. Li- what is the Niners' liability on the entire team? It's like, yeah, defensive back, the safety speed maybe, and like the right side of the offensive line. And if you tell me Croft is ever in blocking, that is an immediate red flag. Yeah, look, it is impossible to quantify how a team uses that. Right. Maybe that maybe they're a little more together. Like you said, are they really going to play a little harder? But here's what I know. Both teams said after the game or reacted after the game like it mattered to them because it did. From what Slay said, there was also a quote from Brandon Graham, and he said it the same thing. He's like, We took umbrage to it. Um what it, it, the way George that, says it is a slight to them. A hundred percent. But this would be this is the simplest way. Like people might want to debate, like how, like you said, like John, how do you know they played harder? How about this? This to me is the only argument. How does it benefit? Do we benefit from it? You know the saying, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. If you're standing still, right? Like, look at it like food. Everything, if you're a 
you know, some people are really hyper sensitive about what they put in their body. And they would argue like, it's, I'm not one of them. <laughs> it's like everything you put in is either a positive or a negative. So if you put something in your body that you think is a net neutral, somebody else who's super psycho about it would be like, if it's not a positive, I'm not ingesting it. And that would be the basic argument. How does it help you win the game? That's what Belichick would say. How does this help us? Does this help us? Because you couldn't argue yet. You couldn't argue yes to that unless you're like, oh, no, I'm going to get in their dome. They're going to they're going to do some dumb shit. They're going to get some penalties trying to prove that they're tough. Right. Like if you're like, OK, maybe you could build that theory and maybe I could even buy it. But by and large, you'd say, what is the point of Mike Hilton saying it's Burrowhead at Gay Half Field? What, what is the point of that? Why? What do we gain? By the way, not only did he call it Burrowhead, Arrowhead, he then did the pre, he like went on, I think because he said it, he was like a CBS's pregame interview, like in the hallway, like uh, interviewing Mike Hilton. I'm like, why are they interviewing Mike Hilton? Oh my God. I didn't understand that. I, I wasn't like, I must've missed when there's no way they interviewing on. him. If he's not the one that said that, right. That makes sense. I was like, why are they talking to this guy? There's no other reason. Like he just was a story that week. It, so are you it, saying Kyle Shanahan should tell George Kittle? We don't. From here on out, no trash talk? To me, there's a difference of trash talk of like, I don't think they can cover me. I, I don't think you have to be Belichick where you're never allowed to say anything. But he kind of put it on everyone else. He wrote checks that his whole team can't cash. Debo can, Trent can, Juszczyk can, McCaffrey can. They, most of their guys can't. Their entire defense can hang. But there are... It, this is a result-oriented business. It's black and white. You win or you lose. Quarterbacks either make it through the game or they don't. Two of them got knocked out of the game. One literally got KO'd. The other guy got his arm for six months fucking ruined. Like, that happened. And both hits came from the right side of the line, where the Niners were already at a disadvantage. So why ever? Like, it's unneeded. Not at, against the best team you're playing all season? Like, I, I think when you look back, you go, that was dumb. How's that even debatable? The, the Eagles, like, John, why do you think the Eagles are telling you this? They're the team that fucking ruined your two quarterbacks. What We all witnessed it. It was the most embarrassing thing we've ever seen, what we had to watch, because they could not throw. Because both quarterbacks, Jerry Rice tweeted, in my 20 years of playing in the league, I've never seen this. Jerry Rice played till he was like 45 Hashtag fucking years old. Years. You've never seen this. No one has. It's unthinkable. It's unimaginable what we just witnessed. And they both came from the right side of the offensive line. So is it like, I'm not putting this on George Kittle. I'm not putting the loss on George Kittle. But you can say, that was a dumb idea for him to say anything. It was unneeded. You could argue going into a championship game, a playoff game in general, any big game, what's the point? Why help? It's not just about effort. It's about unification right you always hear guys talk about it you play for one another you play together you say something critical it can unify people it's just it, you just turn everybody's dial up a hair well, i'd say this george without anything being said just everyone is super focused on each other you guys have a disadvantage at a specific spot on your offense your ability to block the right side of their defensive line technically the left side of their defensive line your right side of the offensive line especially if you're not around to help out the, those two guys, you are in trouble. And if I, if I change you out for your backup, holy Jesus, 
we, we would say in general, if I say guy, there are going to be some rushes this today in passing situations where Croft, McGlinchey, and Burford are going to be up against Reddick and Hargraves. You'd be like, that could lead to a disaster. You might be a fumble six or a sack. But worst case scenario is guys get hurt, right? Because they don't get touched. And that's what happened. Olay blocks. And McGlinchey was getting smoked. He's just not good enough. So you're just already at a disadvantage. You have a player in a key spot against one of the best players in the league who just isn't good enough. So you're already at a disadvantage. It's just when they're saying it, it's it's not debatable that it was a it, it was unneeded and not yeah. smart to do. They're telling you the team that they're, they're telling you that it's like, well, our quarterbacks got knocked out. Well, no fucking shit. Defense gets credit when they knock your quarterback out. They get credit for that. They hit the guy and he got hurt. Uh, Joe Thomas and Mitchell Schwartz, both Shanahan guys, uh, don't think that it's fair to criticize Kyle for putting Croft one-on-one with Hassan Reddick because that's just you have to just commit yourself to the offense. Um, I texted Jeff Schwartz. I called Jeff Schwartz. He's like, nah, I don't buy that. Like, I think you can adjust for a given game. Then I texted somebody who I know initially through you who was a NFL offensive coach, he agreed with Joe Thomas and Mitchell Schwartz that like, yeah, you can't. But then he went on to tell me about all the times that they adjusted their blocking scheme for Khalil Mack. So, you know, like I I, I don't, I, again, Joe Thomas and Mitchell Schwartz, big time. These guys know what the fuck they're talking about. I just can't accept an explanation that says, yes, putting Tyler Croft one-on-one with Hassan Reddick is an acceptable part of the game plan. I, on, I a just, seven, on a seven-step drop play action play. Well, here's the other thing. George is one of the heartbeats of the team. He's one of the best players, not just on the team, but in the league. Jason Kelsey is the same thing for the Eagles. I watched his press conference, and of course, he's going to have his own thoughts about certain guys. Like, you think I can't block Kinlaw? But he's not going to talk like that. He even brought up, leading up to the week, like his press conference on Wednesday or Thursday, that last week, I guess one thing Brandon Graham does is kind of like pregame, he's like the way he gets them psyched up is he'll just start screaming at the other team and sometimes in warmups and stuff. And against the giants, he's like, I, I look, he's screaming at Dexter Lawrence. I'm like, Brandon, shut up, man. You don't have to deal with this guy. I do. And the one thing in football, I'd say football, basketball, it is like, you don't control everything. You know, some of your teammates, like right. it's not basketball where it's like, I talk shit to you and then I push somebody out of the way and I come guard you. Yeah, it's right. not the way it works. Again, I'm not saying cut the guy. I'm not saying, like, he should be suspended. I'm just saying, like, it wasn't smart. And the Eagles literally told you how they feel about it. Like, it's not it's, – I, I didn't make this up. The only reason it hit me is because they said it. I mean, they, they're the ones telling you. The Chiefs told you, too. Now, the Chiefs thing, it was, like, very outspoken. That's It's not on that level. right? He wasn't calling him Burrowhead. But it was wasn't subtle enough, you know. I was. It's just one thing, and one thing the Niners will do because they got really good players. Bosa does this every once in a while too. But I would say the difference with Bosa is basically every guy on his defense can handle it. Turns out Kinlaw can't, but the other guy, like they all can pick up for themselves. Like the Niners have on offense a major liability in pass protection, right? What do you say? Major. Has, what do you say? Six first round picks on the D line. 
Is that what he said? Yeah, I mean, part. I mean, they signed Sue in the middle of the season. Yeah, you know, but so. <laughs> but he wasn't talking about. He didn't single out the safeties. He didn't single out the linebackers. He single. He didn't just single. He singled out the position group that those guys well, did, were going to go. Did ahead. you watch Kittle after the game? Yeah. When he talked about like I'm always going to hit someone in the face, it felt like he kind of knew like I talked some shit. I like I handled myself. It's like George. It was never about you. Like you're always going to be able to handle yourself until you're old and shot or whatever. Like right now, in the peak of your powers, in the prime of your career, you're an elite top fifty player in the league. Like, yeah, no one's worried about you hitting guys in the face. Like we all seen the clips. Other guys, they were hitting guys in the face and embarrassing, like all over the internet. You know, and, and literally the worst case scenario, quarterbacks got got injured because they guys went untouched, right? That's the worst case possible in the sport. Guys going untouched, uninhibited, uninhibited to the quarterback, injury, unabated, them. unmolested, unabated yeah, you, to the quarterback. You, you go unmolested to the quarterback, and you're a really good player. Like if I say Armstead, Bosa, Miles Garrett, Hassan Reddick, don't get touched. Aaron Donald, and they get like a five or six step head start. Like they're they're not just going to tap the quarterback. Like the way they hit him might lead to an they injury. Live not, for that shit. Fuck yeah, because they don't get to do it ever. I heard a broadcaster use unmolested the other day, and I'm like, you know, I know technically by the dictionary definition you're right, but. Why are they getting asked to use that word, you know, by a friend? Could be somebody paid them 20 bucks. It's just that word. You just can't use that word the way it's uh, intended. Was that that Robert Griffin III? No, it was not Robert. It was a play-by-play guy. I honestly don't remember who. Uh, all right, let's talk about Brock and Tom and Trey. Here we go again. Although I guess last year we didn't talk about Brock. We'll start with what Brock Purdy said. He met the media at his locker today. An update on his health. Um, he's actually getting, he said, another test done on Tuesday. So there'll probably be some more news on that at the end of the week. Um, but I think, you know, we we did a we did an emergency pod on Monday about the UCL injury, which was the report. So if you missed that, there's the video and there's the podcast of that. Um, doing some more research on what a UCL injury is and the difference between a repair and a reconstruction. It is in both cases, the tendon on the inside of the elbow. And what Purdy said on Tuesday was that he went numb immediately when he got hit. And then over the course of the game, when he started to throw, it immediately really hurt. And in fact, it actually really hurt him. Even when he just handed off, it hurts him when he moves his arm. So it's just, it's significant pain. What we don't know, what was not reported, is the degree to which his elbow is torn. Grade one, grade two, grade three, et cetera. I would say, not being a doctor, I'm optimistic that he's not going to need Tommy John surgery, which is reconstructive, and that if he needs surgery, which it sounds like he will, he would just need what people have been calling a repair. The difference, as I understand it, is that the reconstruction tends to occur. Jake DeLome needed UCL reconstruction. He had Tommy John. Big Ben had Tommy John. Pitchers have Tommy John. But when DeLome hurt his elbow, just like when Big Ben hurt his elbow, it was throwing the ball, meaning that the tear in the elbow was an overuse injury. Which is how it happens to pitchers too, correct? Which is how it happens to pitchers from over and over. That's not what happened to Brock. Brock's arm got pulled back and and the tendon got snapped. And the difference between a repair and a reconstruction depends on the quality of the tendons available. 
So if the tendons were clean snapped in theory, like happened to Brock, then it's easier to, I'm going to, you know, I don't know if this is exactly how it works. Sew them back together. When it's an overuse injury, the tendons are frayed. And that's when they have to, in the case of DeLome, they took a tendon from a reconstruction means they take a tendon from somewhere else in your body or from a cadaver and they attach that to your existing tendon. So it has to take, which is why the rehab process is longer when it's your own, when they're just sewing back what's already there because the tendons are, are not frayed. They're good quality tendons. Um, then the recovery time is shorter. That said, <laughs> man, your arm's a lot stronger. Yeah. Bill from Texas died 50 years old, died from uh, cancer. Yep. Big time baseball player in high school, you know, just a little stronger. We took his ACL. We put it in there. Man, he was fast. <laughs> uh, DeLome actually said, despite the full reconstruction, his elbow recovery, he was throwing a Nerf football within four months. And DeLome was cleared to play in seven months. And he, his quote, I read this article from 2019 that was about Big Ben. DeLome actually said he felt so much better after he snapped his elbow because he was experiencing a lot of elbow pain. I think Ben was also. They, he had a lot of elbow pain because his arm was about to blow. Yeah. It's like, it's like when guys start feeling the, the sore Achilles and then it pops, you know, within a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what was going on with Brock. So DeLome said it was a relief, like physically a pain relief when his elbow snapped and he came back better. And DeLome eventually came out. Of, DeLome had other, DeLome had a hip injury. It, his elbow ended up being fine the rest of his career. So I'm pretty optimistic about, about Brock from a UCL standpoint after and the, the other reason hearing him talk, if you watch him, one of the things he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he actually said it pretty eloquently was that, you know, through being the last pick of the draft and having kind of this, even though the timeline wasn't long, he was a long shot to become an NFL quarterback. And he's always said that he's kept an even mind. His family keeps him grounded. His faith in God keeps him grounded. And, what he said today, Tuesday, was, you know, this is I'm excited. This is going to be a test to see if I can be everything I say that I've been. And he didn't say it in some braggy way. He didn't say it in some bullshit. I thought it was just a really interesting perspective for a young guy. Like, I say that I stay grounded and I stay positive and I stay in the moment and I keep an even keel and all that stuff because of my family and because of me and God and all that. Well, now I'm going to put to the test. Like, basically, can I be everything that I say that I am? That It was a really impressive, impressive, um, I thought, kind of performance by Brock today. Well, I think one thing on a positive note it lets him do is definitely get a little stronger. You know, I just think from a workout standpoint, a rehab standpoint, just maybe put on a little, I guess, some of his upper body. He won't be able to lift as hard, but. It, it does just feel maybe he can just fill out a little bit in his time rehabbing and lifting because he won't be able to play football. Uh, now, I, maybe he won't be able to do as much as I'm saying because he doesn't, you know, you can't push the arm. But uh, he's not a guy that really needs the mental reps. You'd say clearly he had a pretty good understanding of mentally what he was doing immediately. I'm not saying that that doesn't hurt or, I mean, it wouldn't help to get reps in the offseason, but uh, – Never ideal when you have to miss practice, but also on the bright side is that, you know, the other quarterback that, you know, I guess he essentially Wally Pipps is going to get all the reps and he needs the reps and he, he just wouldn't get the same amount of reps if they were both healthy. Like Brock would get more. Brock would just run with the ones and Trey would run with the twos, assuming those are the two quarterbacks. But I, I always get a little 
unsure with timelines. Every guy is a little different. So it's just, you know, some guys, if you told me it was four months, if you told me it was eight months, who knows, you know, maybe maybe on the bright side is that his, his, you know, he was completely fine before, right? It was a freak injury, not some wear and tear, like a tire, a tire, a tire. It's one thing if a tire just pops, like you just, you can patch it up, right? Or replace the tire. It's different than than an elbow injury, obviously. But I'm just saying like, Sometimes you can see the tread on a tire going down and all of a sudden it rips. That that wasn't the case with his elbow, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was not, you know, the remember the preseason Matthew Stafford's elbow was sore. Remember that story. And there's a chance his elbow's never the same. That it might need to be, even if it hasn't that's where it's tough, right? Is what if your elbow isn't injured enough to the point that you need surgery? But it's just the only way to ever be pain free again is to get surgery. Yeah. But no one gets preemptive Tommy. Well, John, no one's right? like, yeah, just just cut my Achilles and then give me a new one. You would never do that. Let's go bionic. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's the latest with Brock. I'm sure there'll be new, more news on that. I think the other thing you have to consider is the Niners now for two years have had surgery situations that have not really been all that straightforward. Now, Jimmy's surgery was not straightforward because they were him and his agent were kind of also playing a game trying to force a release, that type of thing. But Trey's situation was not straightforward. Trey, Trey got hurt. Trey got surgery. Trey then needed a second surgery. So, and you said this immediately on Sunday. Whatever the timeline is, you know, you still, if you're the one getting the surgery, you don't wake up and go, six months from now, I'll be ready to roll. Like, it takes one month, two months, three months. You're getting regular checkups. You're checking on the thing. Did the surgery work? Did your body react the way they wanted it to? So, Think about this. Trey said today he's going to be cleared. He thinks in about four weeks. So by the by the time OTA start, how long has that been? Right, you're talking basically half of September, October, November, December, January. I mean, it's you're talking six months. Yeah, with his shattered ankle. Just and when you say cleared, like would he be full go at practice? So he's probably another two months. That's a seven eight month. Now he had his ankle shattered, but these these timelines. They're a fluid situation. It's easy to say four four weeks now. Nothing's going on in four weeks, right? If they actually had practice in the middle of March, would he be able to run around? Yeah. Potentially. We, we've seen a lot of guys come back for the Niners. They're on the sideline. You and I have been to enough practices. That's He's cleared. We're taking it easy. We're just easing him in. And that's the right way to handle it, right? These guys are coming off. Trey, a major leg injury. And I'd say specifically with him throwing, you are not you're not – you don't want to put another rip. You don't want to have to go back in. Like you want this thing to hold. I, I would say they they would be extra cautious with his elbow coming back. Yeah. So whatever the month is, like after the surgery happens, whatever is released by the team, like we expect five months. I would add a month. He's only yeah he's throwing, but it's only ten no no throws of over ten yards. It's the most important thing he has on his body. His ability to throw right. Yeah, eyesight, but yeah. Yeah, besides like eyesight and like his feet to stand. I mean. (laughs) Coming up, the top five body parts, BCB. Uh... (laughs) Two inches from the ground. (laughs) Two inches from the ground. All right, um, check this out. This from uh, our friends over at DraftKings, John. Tom Brady's next snap, and I saw there was a Tom Curran piece in which he said, people close to Brady think he's coming back. 
The Niners are the favorites right now in the DraftKings Sportsbook for Tom Brady's next destination, plus 150. The Raiders at plus 175. The Bucks at plus 250. And the Dolphins at plus 750. Those are the latest odds with old Tommy Boy, uh, although he has not yet uh, announced whether or not he's coming back. So let's talk about this Tom Brady situation. Trey Lance hurt. Brock Purdy hurt. And the Niners have flirted with Tom Brady before. Part of this is, is Tom coming back? But I think the other part of it is, and you and I were talking about this earlier, should the Niners actively be recruiting Tom Brady to not retire so that he can be their quarterback? Because I think if you are Kyle and John and you think Tom Brady would be a good fit for you this year, you're not sitting around waiting for Tom to announce his return. You are calling Tom. You're getting a meeting with Tom and you're saying, Tom, I know you're on the fence, but here's why we can make it worth your while to come play at age 46, seven, 46, 46, 45. This year will be six next year. You and, I, would... and I do. And I do think they should sit down with Tom Brady. I expect them to. Now, does it publicly get out? I don't know. Do you expect Tom Brady to announce I'm coming back and then do the thing or just like he signed with a team? That's a great question. Not, not, not like a Schefter rumor. I'm saying like Tom Brady post, like I plan on playing one more year. Like TV 12's website. A question. I mean, I think on one hand, I buy that he's not sure what he's going to do. Unlike last year where you know there was a lot of smoke on that he's going to go to the Dolphins thing and that's what, that Florio was adamant him and Sean Payton were going to the Dolphins that's what that's why he retired he was never actually retiring um I do buy at this moment in time he's not sure what he's going to do but I think if you're Tom how do you I'm just talking through it how do you come how do you decide that you're back without knowing where you're going to go so I do think if he announces he's back it is I'm back and I am a I am Team X's quarterback, right? Well, if you don't like know, the Niners trimmed up the three, and like now we'll evaluate which quarterback we want. Well, then there's probably a dating process coming on with a short list of candidates, right? Probably three teams. I would say the Dolphins, maybe the Jets, obviously the the Vegas and the Niners. It, it would be, it'd be stunning if, if Tampa Josh, would get a meeting just out of respect. Who? Tampa. Yeah, but Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady are talking this offseason, right? That's a lock. There is a chance that the 49ers are not interested because they were not interested last year or last time around. That was four years ago. Remember when they told them we're just not interested? Has anything changed? He's I know they were older. coming off a Super Bowl, but I mean, they have two quarterbacks. One guy needs Tommy Johnny, the guy coming off a broken ankle. I understand the injuries impact it, but they just got to a conference championship game with Brock Purdy, who, you know, and this is not an injury work. He's not going to be able to throw again. I, my stance on this is not going to change. I think Tom Brady's the greatest player of quarterback I've ever seen. I would not do it. I don't think he fits the offense. Um, you know, their offensive line, like how are the, Lane Johnson ain't coming to the team? Like who are they adding the right tackle that's going to be able to protect? He can't move. Cole, so I think somebody wrote Colton McKivitz might be their next right tackle. Well, that's fine, but or you know he can't. One of the, he he is not an athletic guy, obviously, relative to NFL players. He can't move, so your offensive playbook is dramatically different. Um, as Tom, as uh, Tim Kawakami wrote today, Brady has not missed a game due to injury in 14 years. 2008. Yeah, durability's durability's not his issue because well, he doesn't get hit. 
ball comes out quick. Yeah. Right. Well, and he played on a team this year that could not. It was, I think, the worst rushing team in the history of playoff quali- qualifying teams. Well, they were one of the well, worst, worst rushing good teams in the history of the league. Good team meaning they made the playoff. Obviously, Tom's historically a much better player than Purdy, but the second half of the season, when Purdy played and Tom played, Brock Purdy, as crazy as going to sound coming out of my mouth, was a better football player than Tom Brady. And simply because he could move. Partly because he plays on the 49ers and Tom Brady plays for the Bucs, who can't run the football. We have yeah, to acknowledge would, that Brock would they have Purdy been on the Bucs may not have put up the same numbers. But if I put... I agree, but I'm saying if you put Tom Brady on the 49ers, like some of those touchdowns came with Brock Purdy running around. Tom Brady would have thrown the ball away or hit the ground. Maybe would have hit. Maybe there was a, a right throw to make earlier, and he would have made it. Maybe. I mean, so I took Brock Purdy's numbers: 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,374 games. I took 60 yards out because he did that against the Chiefs, but I left the interception from the Chiefs game in. Let's just say eight games. So you count Miami, you don't count Philly. Eight games for Brock. He played in the Chiefs game. <laughs> Threw a pick. Pretty. Uh, we're, we're, I don't think you were still taking notes at that point. So 13 touchdowns, four picks, 1,310 yards, basically, in eight games. Here's what that turns into over the course of 17 games. It turns into uh, 27 touchdowns, which would have been eighth in the NFL. It turns into nine interceptions, which is 19 quarterbacks in the league had nine interceptions or more, so a very reasonable number. It turns into 2,958 passing yards, which would have been 19th in the NFL, between Mac Jones just ahead of him and Andy Dalton just behind him. And at 67.1% completion percentage, it has him tied for seventh with Patrick Mahomes. Those are all very good numbers, Okay. That that's what Brock that's what Brock would be. I appreciate the exercise you did, and I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying because it took effort. Little skewed though because some of these games are blowing them out, right? So they start, you know, it's not a true like the Raider game. There were some game, the Seattle game. There were just real games the whole time. He played in a couple games that by like the fourth quarter were kind of a joke. Which is that's if you play in 17 games in the NFL. You're in probably 13, 14, just you play the full thing, like it matters. Sure. He might have a couple games with 330 yards, but he also might have a couple, he also might have a game with three picks. Like we didn't for sure. Yeah. If we're gonna be fair about this, Geno Smith had half of a good year and then turned back into Geno Smith, which is just good, but not MVP candidate. Brock Purdy played eight games. I think Brock Purdy showed that he might be the quarterback of the future for the 49ers. Do we definitively know? He's the franchise quarterback for the next no, 12 years. No, 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 of course no, not. No. So here's why I think you talked to Tom. You needed three quarterbacks to get through 2022. Currently, you have two quarterbacks, and they're both hurt. Four quarterbacks, five quarterbacks. Currently, you got two, and they're both hurt. Plus, maybe you go get Andy Dalton or something like that. Tom hasn't missed a game to injury in 14 years, which is your franchise's primary problem now for five years running. Your quarterbacks all get hurt, including Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins had a UCL. Here's the other thing: Brock if you play, if in. you play forever, though, you're, you know, you starting in 08. Year. He'd already played seven NFL seasons. He's bound, it's yeah. bound to happen, guy. Well, this might be the year, which is fine. You'll have Brock waiting if Tom gets hurt. And here's the other thing: Brock ain't going anywhere. He's good. 
I hate to bring up Steve Young because everyone always uses Steve Young and Joe Montana. And the reality so, so is, does Jed. Jed. Well, yeah, Jed always uses it. The reality is that Steve Young sitting around for four and a half years and then becoming a Hall of Famer is he's the exception. He's not the rule. That situation is the exception. That situation is not the rule. But here's what I do think translates. Brock ain't losing his talent if he has to sit behind Tom Brady for a year. He's not losing his smarts. Steve Young sat around for four years. I mean, by the time he played, he was older than Brock, and Brock already has the experience. And uh, I think he has already given you a great deal of confidence in him. And and there is no confidence knock to Brock Purdy. If you're like, Brock, we love you. Tom Brady is coming in here. You're going to be Tom Brady's backup quarterback. Okay. Like, I have faith that Brock Purdy doesn't get rattled by that. And I also think this. The Niners have been at the NFC Championship game the last two years. And I think they were capable of winning the Super Bowl. But I also think it's possible that they ended up in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, who's kind of hobbled, or Joe Burrow, that in the end, the difference in quarterback talent might have been the difference in the game. And while they've been on the doorstep, they have not completed the deal. And Tom Brady has proven to be the greatest quarterback closer in the history of the sport in terms of we're going to win a championship with me as the quarterback. So I think you talk to Tom. I think you sign Tom if Tom wants to be your quarterback. Um, I don't think you can pass on Tom, even though he's 46, because you you got two injured quarterbacks right now. And there's no guarantee that one of them doesn't get hurt again. What happens if Brock gets hurt week three? I, I just... The Niners have proven to need multiple quarterbacks. So let's start with Tom Brady. And if it means we got to end up at Brock, that's fine. And if it means that Brock's got to wait a year to come back and be the starter again, I think he's fully capable of handling that situation. I have a lot of confidence in him. But I don't know that you can pass on Brock because unless you are – now, here's the one thing I'll say. If Kyle Shanahan thinks adamantly, those eight games, I have a franchise quarterback in Brock Purdy. Like, okay. If you really believe that, then then I say, fine, don't meet with Tom. But this team has not closed the deal. They have not. They've been to the Super Bowl. They've been to two NFC Championship games. They have not finished it off. And Tom Brady's won more Super Bowls than any quarterback in the history of the sport. So, And his numbers, by the way, kind of get, similar to Brock's. You year. sold me. I, I just double-checked. 12's available. 12's available. He had no run game. What Do you have his number? Tom's numbers in front of you? I think it was like 20 five touchdowns and six interceptions or something along those lines. And I get it, John. I I mean, I know 25 and nine, 25 and nine, 67%, almost 4,800 yards, 4,700 yards on a team with no run game. I mean, one of the worst run games in history. Now to your point, Tom plays out of the shotgun a lot more than he used to. Right. And Kyle loves, we're going to play action, turn our back. Hold that point. Croft. At the at the end of the day, has Kyle really had the most athletic quarterbacks playing his position? No. Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins. Brock's athletic, but he's not, you know, Mahomes or Josh Allen. I think it can work. Yeah, of course they would be able to figure out what works and what doesn't work. I, I just, in 2023, what translates athletic quarterbacks, movement at quarterback, I think that's a pretty big deal. Listen, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's a relic in the way he plays. Yeah. And you saw this year, like, part of it is 
They had injuries. Like Trent Williams not guaranteed to play every game. He didn't play every game this year. Like, you could just lose a guy. Guys get hurt, and then you can't protect. And you you can't just run the ball as we've seen over the years. Like Kyle just doesn't get to run for 180 every game. Some games you do. Some games you have a solid day, and some games it does not work. Then you got to pass. How'd that go for Tom this year? I I just I was wrong with like an Kyle, offensive coordinator like, that got fired. I was wrong like every single person back whatever four years ago. I'm sure there are people listening that would have done it, but I'd say obviously the 49ers agreed, you know, to not do it. I think we we agreed with them. A lot of people agreed with them. That was a mistake. That's not debatable. And like you just alluded to, more than likely they're probably a Super Bowl champion. Hard to th- see them not being a Super Bowl champion over the last three years with him, uh, especially these last couple of years. But I, I just I short older players. It, no, maybe it's the cynic in me, and I just now the other thing that was written was it written in that piece by Sando? It's a rap sheet. I think told. I saw it maybe an aggregator. I think he was on with uh, Murph and Mac, and he said Tom Brady's not playing anywhere next year for like two million bucks. Like it's thirty million dollars or something, you know? I th- yeah, it was the Sando or Kawakami piece wrote like maybe twenty. If yeah, you told me Tom Brady would come for like ten million dollars, of course. Like, am I paying him thirty-five million dollars or something? Like, on my cap, like that limits who else I can sign. Right. Like, I get some other holes. My my question this time around is like, why would he what come is for like the seven? What what? Give so you're talking charity. About- you're talking about real cost. <laughs> You're talking about real cost, which matters. But what is the opportunity cost of signing? Go live Tom in the Brady? building that's going up in uh, Steph's backyard. Just buy the thing out. Binoculars looking in the Steph's backyard. Well, I see you, Steph. I see you. Atherton, baby. Oh no, Brady moved in. This neighborhood's really gone to shit. Um, just babes walking around these <laughs> four condos. Uh, what is really the opportunity cost here? Like, if this was Trey Lance's rookie year, you'd say, well, the opportunity cost is you don't develop this quarterback you just drafted. But at this point, developing Trey Lance is a secondary concern. He's been on the team two years. He's hurt. And he's no longer a priority. Whatever you think. Yeah, you you are just not. He is When you make a quarterback decision, you are not making it with his development number one in your mind. Agreed. And I think Brock has proved, like, what do you think? Like, I think if you told me Brock's the backup for a year, how does he look when he comes back? I'd say I don't, the same, better. So, I, you know, what is your opportunity cost? What are you losing by not signing by signing Tom Brady? If you don't care as much about Trey Lance's development, you I guess you lose Brock's development. You lose that, right? A year of Brock playing, maybe. Brady, by the way, number one in the NFL. In time to throw, 2.3 seconds. Brock Purdy, 2.85 seconds. Almost half a second longer to throw. And uh, Jimmy, 2.53 seconds. What do you think it would cost us to get a weekly with Tom Brady if he was a 49ers quarterback? Is there a number that would even get him to say yes? I think so. I mean... Why does he do the Jim Gray serious show? Well, he now owns it. They they moved that into a podcast that he owns it with Let's Go. But but I'm saying like why does he do it? I think he had a deal with them, you know? No, but I mean like what what motivates Tom Brady to do it? 
clearly might like talking a little bit. Maybe he's yeah, friends with Jim. A, a chance yeah. to, you know, branch out a little, helps out the media empire a little bit, helps that you're already very famous, but it keeps your name out there. You do, um, you know, you just might have things you want to say. It's a way to communicate with people. You can interview whoever you want to interview. So, um, 50 grand. Yeah. <laughs> like my point is a week. The is. money is relevant is my point. Whatever the number is, is not what's relevant. Tom isn't doing it. Well, I hate to do this, but I got to pay the mortgage. Like that's yeah. not why Tom does it. Right. It's not, it's not why Kyle Shanahan, it's not why it always helps to have new revenue sources though. Well, Tom was all, yeah. Tom was always on WEI for years, right? He was doing that weekly hit. Yeah, where you are obligated to talk to, you know, some of the partners. That's true. That's true. But he got right, easy with Zola. You know? the, the, yeah. the, the monetary value was not why he was doing it. True. Again, I, I'm not against for business reasons, Tom Brady. I, I just acknowledge you told me I convinced you. You did, but I'm just saying, like, my argument coming into it was strictly just because he's old, but I, I do lean on the side of what you're saying. Like, they're not. There's no loss value. If he broke He's his leg old. in training camp, whatever. Yeah, you're just back where you are already. Yeah. Brock Purdy. Trey Lance. I, I do think the one concern would be like, okay, what are the numbers we're talking? Yeah. Well, right. and the other concern would be, is there a scenario where him and Kyle together don't work and it actually kind of adversely affects your season? Which you saw now, Tom nothing get in a Tom's history that suggests that would happen. I'd say Tom started getting a little weird in Tampa, forced a coach out, screamed a lot this year. But they didn't you know? lose game. Like, they were not worse off because of it. I'd say him forcing Bruce Arians off, they were worse off this year. Bruce Arians doesn't yeah, lose. Yeah, I mean, they, like they, they, the, they, they went to the Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl with Bruce. But I'm saying this year, you know, he got his way, yeah. forced the coach to quit, yeah. go up to the stairs. Very bizarre. He had to retire in order to make that happen, though. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Then the next guy got fired. It, it got very weird in Tampa, which he had a huge hand in the whole thing, right? I think also Tampa was the GM was the primary recruiter of Tom, Jason Light, right? It was Light, and then he got Bruce on the phone, and Bruce was just crazy Bruce. This well, is, and like letting Alex Guerrero travel. Like they gave Tom everything that the Patriots wouldn't give him. Yeah. And part of it... I mean, it's crazy looking back because all Tampa did was make the playoffs and win a Super Bowl and host playoff games. Tom didn't have many suitors when he was 42 years old. Remember? No. He looked bad at the end. Remember, that was part of it. He looked Kyle bad said no. Gruden said no. I don't know what the Dolphins were doing at the time, but clearly. Who was that motherfucker? Who ended up being that motherfucker? You chose that motherfucker over me? That was Derek. Was it? Was that what yeah. it was? That was Derek. Who's just a four-time Pro Bowler? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, part of it, we talked about Trey Lance. There was the article, the Mike Sando article that got a lot of attention a couple days ago. Anonymous scout. Uh, no, anonymous executive. An exec from another team told Mike Sando, I think the 49ers will trade Trey Lance to Tennessee. Then they'll end up with Brady, and Brady will play for one year. Then they have Brock as the backup. That's the chatter. They already have the defense. Brady wants to win one more. This is right up the Niners' alley. So Trey Lance to Tennessee. What do we think of the chatter from NFL executive? What does chatter mean? I was thinking about that today. Chatter. Uh, it means 
Yeah, it, it means somebody came up with this idea who's to actually me, not on the Titans or the 49ers. Yeah, to me, there's a difference level of validity, right? If the chatter is like in agent circles because one agent talked to John Yee and it's like, yeah, we've already heard some things and it's like already like you're, you're one degree of separation away. Like this isn't that crazy. And just like, oh, yeah, this, uh, you know, the Vikings guy was bullshitting with Monty Osenfort and they were just shooting the shit and talking some different ideas. It's like, which is very possible. And that's where I think it's an easy thing to say the chatter because Rand Carthen is now the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. And I also think it's easy to push back and going, Rand Carthen is not telling you who they're trading for. Like, does Mike Vrabel like him? Because if he does, then yeah, it would be on the table. Does Mike Vrabel not like him? Then they're not doing it, right? Yeah. Also, if you're Rand Carthen, you just got this job, but you are not Mike Vrabel's boss. So is Trey Lance the guy you're going to go bang the table for and say, Mike, I'm telling you, we got to trade for Trey Lance because you are really kind of putting, you're putting your neck out there right away if you tell him he's got to go trade for Trey Lance. And is, he there a, like Trey Lance. is there a minimum draft pick that it just doesn't make sense for the 49ers? Like, even if I don't think he's that good, I know Rand knows what we all think of him. Right. So let's just say we're all in agreement. Like, we think there's still some potential there, but it is what it is now. He still makes a decent amount of money. It doesn't make a sense for us to just, why would we give him to you? Because if I'm like the Titans, the chatter is trading for him. If I can get him for a fourth round pick, well, who You're fucking cares? Second. Yeah, so it's like the Titans, they would gladly trade a fourth round pick right now, right? If you just said Trey Lance was available for a fourth round pick, a lot of teams would do that. But w- w- the Niners, it would make sense to just keep him and try to, if any, at minimum, just rehab some value or see if they still got something. He might end up as your starting quarterback. Yeah, to me, the the second, then yeah, that would put some pressure on the Titans. But is that an option? Would you trade it right now for the Titans' second-round pick? Because I would. Yeah, I think most people would. Um, I, the Right now, today, the problem is, I don't know who this, like, Trey Lance could end up, I might be trading my week one starter if I trade him today. Because they have three third-round picks, I'd argue... I just keep him for a third round pick. The second is where we start talking, right? Especially if it's a top 15 pick in the second. As someone in the chat mentioned, because I said the Niners were the 30th draft pick. Don't forget, Steven Ross, when he cheated, he got docked the pick. So there are only 31 picks in the draft. Oh, so, so that pick is actually 29. Good job to the chat for that one. <laughs> so, uh, But that also means the second rounders are a little bit better. I would not trade Trey Lance for a third round pick. And I'm very leery that he's ever going to amount to anything just because you still have the infrastructure of a head coach and, and guys that can make you better. But second round pick, like, I'm sorry, I'd trade him. Uh, Corey says, going to shake my head when Lance turns into a top 10 QB a year or two from now with the Niners or not. And everyone says hindsight's 2020. I'm not mor- mortgaging my future again for Purdy played well, but no, I, I, the reason I would not trade Trey is not because I think he's about to be a top 10 quarterback. I don't think that. Uh, I think at this point, especially if you're pursuing Tom or if you're not and you're just rolling both healthy Brock as your starter, you would say that the Trey Lance draft pick has it, it's been a failure. It's a failure, right? If Brock Purdy is your starting quarterback when both are healthy, the Trey Lance pick failed. You gave up two ones for a guy that didn't become your quarterback. However, Brock is hurt. You have a history of getting quarterbacks hurt. You have worked with Trey. I don't think it's given all the crazy scenarios that have played out, I'm not saying just because right now in this moment, the pick was a failure. 
that it's impossible for Trey Lance to become a good quarterback. I'm not saying that. Maybe it's maybe it can happen. On a team that has proven to need multiple quarterbacks, and you have this guy that you've invested a lot in already. I'm not saying just because you've invested a lot, you should just, you know, continue to throw money at it. But you don't have other quarterbacks. You don't have other quarterbacks. So I'd be inclined to keep him, even if you're offering me like, you know, pick 58. Just because I still I got to now what am I replacing with Andy Dalton? I, I would just be inclined to keep Trey another year. Now, maybe I'm just holding on to a depreciating asset. If that's the case, then that's the case. But, you know, the scenario right now where he ends up playing eight games or five games or whatever for you next year, it's a real scenario. I mean, Brock has not played a full season of NFL quarterback and he got hurt in the season that he played eight games, nine games. So. Trey I, just Lance, had to, I just had to double check. I, I've been beating the Andy Dalton drum. Yeah. He is an, he is an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. <laughs> Dalton, Dal- I mean, Dalton, I think, is high on, on the list of what makes sense for the 49ers. And there are going to be several other teams that are going to be interested in guys. Like, you'd have to compete. That number ends up going five or six. I think the question is, would you rather have basically a quarterback room accounting on your salary cap, Trey, Purdy, or essentially like nine million bucks, Dalton four or five, or Brady, which, like you said, you could argue there's no risk, but there is the risk of if he were to finally get hurt, and he, or just him and Kyle didn't mesh, and you do invest 28 guaranteed or 31 guaranteed. Like, that is a lot for even a one year. You're not spreading that out over a couple of years probably, right? Unless Parag says it actually makes more sense to do a two-year deal. And Yeah, you probably, I wouldn't shock me if you sign a two-year deal where it's like, you know, an option after – and his cap hits like six million dollars this year. Push the can down the road. Yeah. The, well, when do you when are you signing Bosa Ayuk this offseason? Okay. Bosa for sure. Ayuk. Twelve year contract. Yeah, I mean Bosa's gonna get buy his parents' house for twenty seven million dollars. Well, he's got the living it rent free. I would imagine the Niners right because they'll go. Well, we got your fifth year option, and we would one hundred percent franchise tag you. We'll give you a five-year extension, but it's essentially a seven-year extension, right? So you get the fifth-year option, you get the franchise tag, that money, and whatever that whatever we need to add up the differences to get you to one twenty guaranteed. But it's a it's a five-year extension or six-year extension based on the fifth-year option because that franchise tag we're counting that as a year. I saw he Cam Inman had a quote today where Bosa said he doesn't necessarily need to be the highest-paid player in the league. Does feel like he loves playing for these guys, right? Because he comes, they're good. He's awesome. The defense revolves around him, and then they don't fuck with him till August first. <laughs> he basically just can leave. Debo's like, "Am I on that plan now too?" <laughs> like, do you expect to see Debo around? We're like, well, Debo, if you want to go work with Nick, if you want to work out with Nick, then yes, you can be on that plan. But you have to be with Nick. Like, we need to see you in the videos with the Boses, with Joey and Nick. Yeah. Because do you expect like Debo Samuel to be at? Non-mandatory OTA practices. Is Brady there? That's another thing. Like, if I'm going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, if I'm going to sign Tom Brady, like, I get it. You guys have been on your own little plan, but kind of going to need you around. And D- then Debo, you got to come back. Got to work with Thomas here. It's kind of serious, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, if I'm the Jets and I'm going to trade a first and second round pick for Aaron, like, Aaron, you do have to come then in May. Right. Really, there's not a scenario where the 49ers don't have a situation where they need that guy, where they need Debo to show up. Where it's like, hey, man, Trey Lance hasn't thrown a pass in September. We need you to work it with him. Hey, man, 
you and Brock have only practiced together for like half for like two months. We need you to work out together. Hey man, Tom Brady's new here. We need you to work out with him. Hey man, Andy Dalton's the only healthy guy we got. And who knows, he might end up being the quarterback, but he may not. By the time we get to the regular camp, he might be the third string guy. But then those other two guys get hurt and Andy becomes the starter again, like week three. And then you will have had to practice with him. So we just kind of need you around here. I usually like, don't worry, guys. I'll take 700 of the reps. And this year, instead of being 12th on the list of team captains, hopefully I can get up to seventh and be a captain. Yeah, well, Trey, if Trey Lance is on the team this year, where is he in the captain voting? Well, if Purdy's starting quarterback, is he, is he a captain? Feels like we're, he would be. Oh, in the voting this year? Eight? Two? Deep? Yeah, he was right outside the line of uh, the Mendoza line. He's like, oh, don't worry, Trey was right behind him. Yeah. <laughs> they, do have a lot of ca- they do have a lot of captain-worthy players. I, I mean, that's legit. Yeah. You want to do a Robbie Gold free agent breakdown, or we'll get to that later? Yeah, how much is, is he taking it? Is he waiting until Tom signs to see how much is left? I do think good teams would pay him. It's just nice to have a kicker that you know can just make kicks, right? I think a lot of coaches would just see Robbie Gold and be like four and a half million dollars. The thing but, you'd say, I wonder if you're Robbie, you're like, you know why I'm one of the best postseason kickers? Because I'm in the postseason a ton, and we don't score a lot of touchdowns. So just like if I don't know, you know, legacy, whatever that bullshit means. You say Robbie. The other thing, Robbie, be like, I, I have to make a lot of tackles. Like, I don't love kicking off. Are the Niners gonna? This is another off-season conversation. Are they gonna have to change their special teams coach again? It feels like Kyle does not want to. Like, wouldn't do it. It's got to be house on fire in order for Kyle to grab the extinguisher. And it's just better than it was. Before. In fairness, there aren't many good. You know, it's, it's not a position where. Very few and far betweens, Dave Tobes and Rich Piscaccias. I mean, they're just not – they're way more offensive and defensive coordinators, it feels like, than good special teams coach. In, in and, fairness, all coaches trying to yeah. hire special teams coaches. It's, it's, it is a difficult thing to do. And maybe I'd be curious if we looked like, do the best coverage teams play more of their starters on coverage cover units than the 49ers do? Is that part of the formula? They don't – the other part of it is they don't kick the ball – like. They don't kick the ball in the end zone as much as most teams do. They can't physically. Well, well right. I did make fun of the one game when Wisnowski was doing the weird thing. I think he did lead the league in like inside the twenties, and obviously Robbie didn't miss kick. So, like, yeah, I would just I, say, I mean, kick off. They no, don't I have know. a boomer. I would say if you're not going to cover that well, and it feels very hit or miss, if your punter's pinning them and your kicker's making kicks, can you kind of live with all the other like hit or miss? It's it sucks, but it's. The kick, the returns are just terrify you sometimes. But you're right. The the I, coverage is what the coach is doing. Like Robbie Gold is not what the coach is doing. What I think the 49ers should attempt to do, and they got a lot closer than I thought they would, is find like even a better version of Ray Ray. Like can can they get like a top five returner in the league? The thing with Ray Ray is he did work in the offense too when they needed him occasionally. It might be hard to upgrade that spot without going to the draft. Well, could you draft like a guy in the one of those third round picks, like yeah, kind of a hybrid? Get, like, where did Britton Covey get drafted? He's undrafted? not as good as Ray. No, maybe he was undrafted. Younger Britton Covey, by the way, younger than Stetson Bennett, who we haven't talked about. Got a rest. Did you see on the internet the other day? Like, here is Stetson Bennett's arrest video, and I watched it. I'm like, wait, this looks like Johnny Menzel's. And then there was a little thing at the bottom from like Twitter. It's like, this video has been fact-checked. This is Johnny Menzel's arrest video. Oh, I thought it was Baker's in Arkansas. Or Baker's, Baker's, Baker's. Yeah, sorry, not Johnny Menzel's. It was Baker's. Because I saw someone tweet that. I'm like, this is identical. 
This really happened to him too. I was so happy when I thought I thought it was really it. I'm like, yes. What did you see? He was banging on people's door. You know, he's wasted at six in the morning. Oh, okay. Did you see though? Banging on what? Like homes or like his hotel room or you know? Get arrested for that? Well, six in the morning, people called downstairs. You know, they got this drunk guy wouldn't listen to anybody. Yeah. If he. Someone was like, if this guy had just, I don't know, accepted his invite to the Senior Bowl, he wouldn't have been partying. He declined going to the Senior Bowl. I am, I, I would not draft Stetson Bennett in whatever round. He, I don't think he's it. He's not your, he's not Brock Purdy. Is he good enough? And I get he played long into this season to decline the Senior Bowl. I mean, I don't think so. That's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? I you know where Brock? Is. You know what game Brock Purdy played in last year? Senior Bowl, East West game. Are you asking East, me? Yeah, he did not play in the. He played in the East West Shrine game, which is where you, you know you'd prefer. But, to I, be but I just think like there is a line of like I remember Mariota was supposed to go to the Senior Bowl, then decline last second. Like you're you're good enough to get drafted relatively high. I'd Herbert say about went, who Herbert went to the Senior Bowl. I think consistently he's on the high end, but like second round picks and on just auto. If you get invited, you go to the all-star game, whether it's shrine game or the senior bowl, like at a quarterback. Well, think about just, even if you're selfish, like guys get drafted because they got coached in the senior bowl all the time, all the time by the guys (laughs) that coached them all the time. He's out on him. Don't ever compare him to party. Somebody needs to uh, investigate if he graduated at Georgia six years in college. I thought about calling the registrar's office to ask, but I'll let somebody else do that. I'll let Bob McGinn do that research. It'll come out. I just don't even care about him. <laughs> yeah. <I just, laughs> Kyle is not draft Like Kyle's not drafting Blake Stetson Bennett. Blake. I don't know why I said Blake. No chance. He might draft somebody, but it's not going to be him. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody made a comment to me the other day. You like, and which is obvious when you say it out loud. But they were like, you know, really, when you think about it, if you look at Brock, Brock Purdy's career, you look at Trey Lance's college careers, and you just like blind resume it. Like everyone would say that Brock Purdy would would be a better NFL prospect than Trey Lance, just based on like the number of snaps they've played. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Especially if you just told like. You didn't know. You just said one guy's Power Five Conference, the other guy's Division One AA. Right. That's not the way. You know, size. or at least like one guy is more ready to play right away. You would definitely yeah. say that. Maybe that's the better way to say it. Regardless, well, that would be the question. Like, can this guy get a lot better? Kyle would be like, hey, you just play like that. We'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> part of the Packers thing, maybe, maybe the Packers think Jordan Love might be good after four years. He he has a shot to be good, which would be. There's so many great stories, like Brock being one. If the Packers do this, like two, not even two decades in a row, like two eras in a row, I guess it'd be three eras in a row. Go from Favre to Rodgers to Love. That'd be because to do it again this much later is a whole different group of people doing it. Just you could argue, if, you know, Favre and Rodgers. Like Rodgers been the best quarterback, him and Brady a long time. Favre same. I'd say if if he would just turn out to be like Dak, you'd be a fucking that'd be incredible. No, it's, yeah, if he's just your starting quarterback, even if he's not as good as he doesn't have to be better than Aaron. The odds are against it working. I know, which is why, like, if it actually works, the problem is Aaron's better right now than Brett was at the end of his Packer career. I Way think. better. 
But no, remember though, he went to Minnesota and Brandon, one of his best years ever. Came back, yeah. I could see a little bit like that with Aaron and th- with the Jets. Like, I'm out to like prove everyone double F you and then I'll retire. Aaron goes to the Jets for a year so he can go play for the 49ers after Tom. Just like, you know, the Vikings, they, they weren't going to get him directly from the Packers. Goes to the Jets, goes, tells the Jets, like, hey, I'm coming one year. And then you got, and then I'm leaving to go play for the 49ers. What if the 49ers went Brady, Rogers, Brock back to back to back? <laughs> yeah, I got to start. And then they signed Brady, then he retired, and then they signed Rodgers, and then he retired, and then I got to start again. <laughs> Imagine the negotiation with Aaron. Like, all right, Aaron, well, uh, here's what Tom signed last year for $17 million. We're hoping you could just kind of inflation, do it for 19 And Aaron's like, I was thinking uh, 60 I was thinking $60 million. Can we do $60 million? Uh, Drugs are legal out here. You're good. You can do fucking take ayahuasca. Just fire on down the freeway. No one even cares. You can go watch Tedford, you know, bye week and go watch a Tedford team. Tedford will come up anytime you want. He there in two years. Good question. Yeah. I don't know. Hainer's at the senior bowl. I think, right? Jake Hainer. Stetson Bennett's no Hainer. No, he's not. He's a two time. I mean, he's two time national champ. Let's not forget, but all right. Um, on that note, Meaty. Adios. Later, everybody. Thanks for hanging.